0: In the words of Public Enemies Chuck D, bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor and this This is what's good. Oh I'm I'm excited for this show. I'm you know I'm excited for every show, let's be real, but I'm I'm very excited for this one because awards season is finally here. Well the major ones anyway, major award season is finally here, and I am guest so Formalities first before I get too excited. Uh, email fifth element the fifth element pub at gmail. Twitter, Facebook, IG, personally, it's all in the description below. I don't care. Let's get it. Let's get it now. This I'm I'm going to. I usually don't know how long the episodes are going to be, but I firmly I firmly believe. That this might last longer than an hour. I'm I'm taking a guess here. I will admit, I'm taking a wild guess. You know, every time I record, I don't know how long I'm going to take. Th- th- this might this this might take a long, this might take longer than now. I'm I'm just I'm just going to be real with you. I have so many things I've that need talking about. It's it's stacked. It's pre- pretty stacked. It's a pretty stacked episode as. As a bit of rare Rocher comes out of my mouth. Disgusting. Um, so, so without further ado, let's get into it. We're starting with the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes. The Globes of Gold. Um, TV and film awards ceremony. It was hosted by Andy Sandberg and Sandra O. Oh. I don't really care about that kind of stuff, to be honest, because I don't watch it. I'm not in America, so I just care about the awards themselves. Actually, before I start with that, um, this is obviously the film and TV segment, as you... Could have guessed. Um, before we start, let's uh, give a shower. BAFTA Rising Stars has um, has dropped the list. The um, the nominees for the BAFTA Rising Star Award has dropped. You know, it's um, ho- it's had a it's had a many, many, many uh, amazing, uh, you know, up and coming talent coming through, and this year is no different. And Basically, the list is is pre- it's pretty is pretty is pretty straightforward. It's pretty. <laughs> I mean, for me anyway. For me, it's pretty pretty straightforward. I I have to admit. Um, we have Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Buckley, uh, Barry Kyo Keog- Kyoogan Kogan Latisha <laughs> uh, Wright, and Cynthia Erivo. So. Um, actually, oh, I accidentally clicked the sign. So yeah, so you know, Letitia Wright, we know who she is. Black Panther, Shuri. Uh, it's been in been in a few more stuff as well. Ready Player One as well. Um, she's actually the highest box office earning actor in the of, of 2018. So you know, it's, say what you will about that particular stat. I mean, it's not really much of a you know a statistic on how great everybody's is. It just so happens that she had. It just happened that she was in films that you know earned a lot of gross. So you know, it's, it's not as if like oh, I have to see that because of Tisha Wright, right. It's it's just a it's just a fun fact if anything. But yeah, she was the highest earning actor. In terms of box, in terms of the films that she was, that she was in and uh, and the most box office at one point five five billion, so you know shout out to her for that. Tisha Wright, Cynthia Revo, uh, widow's fame, theater theatrical actress, super freaking fit. I must be I'm not in not in the um not in the 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 or in my size kind of way. I mean just the actual fitness. She is fit like. It's stupid. I went on the IG one time after I watched *Widows*. Great film, and boy, man, she she got she got a core. She got a core like none of us. It's crazy. It's crazy how stacked she is. It's, it's absolutely mad. Um, I, the Keith Stanfield, I mean, in terms of who's going to win this, it's either Letitia Wright or Cynthia Revo. Let's be real. It has to be. It, it should be one of those. But, you know, the Keith Stanfield, good shout. You know, Atlanta fame, get out, you know, other stuff. Um, Sorry to bother you. It's a good shout. It's a good shout. It's a good nomination. Big up the Keith Stanfield. He's good. I like Keith Stanfield. Uh, Jesse Buckley and Barry K- K- Kogan. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be real with you. Never heard of him. I I, I will be real Um, he was apparently in Dunkirk uh, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos's killing of a sacred deer um, and where's uh, where's the other one? Where's <laughs> Buckley? Uh, apparently, fresh to cinema. This is apparently he actually has a stage background. West End lead in the Little Night of Music, Little Night of Music, and Henry V opposite Jude Law. Apparently, and Kenneth Branger's a wing, a Winter Tale. So you know, a couple of this is what I liked about the BAFTA Writing Star Award. It's it's not really it's not it's not the basic ones. You know what I mean? Oh, the oh it's not it's not like um. It's not like the XXL Freshman List where it's just shit. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's not shit. It's never garbage. Let's be, you know what I mean? When they when when some publications or award ceremonies want to do like a Rising Star Award, it's always like the most popular one. You know what I mean? The Grammys, theirs usually suck. Um, the XXL Freshman List, uh, although that's not really technically an award. You know, it's it's a it's, a, it's the worst. It's, it's one of the worst lists and literally the only reason XXL is actually relevant in today's cult- hip-hop culture. Um, but what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rising Star actually is a great, you know, barometer of, um, you know, great talent. And they actually, you know, do the research, you know. Sure, no, I haven't heard of Jesse Buckley or Keoghan. But, you know, it's a good, it's a good reason why they're there. One has a good stage background. One was in some decent films in the past year, Dunkirk, Killer of Sacred Dick decent films, there you go. And then you also have the pop- most popular ones, Cynthia Revo, you know. You know, my, most people only know from Widows, but she has a great stage background as well. Letitia Wright has been in the game for a, for a couple of years now, so She's, and she's been in the, some of the biggest films this year. So, you know, and the Keith Stanfield. Been in Atlanta, you know. Get out. He's been in a lot of good stuff. So, and he's been consistently building up his, you know, uh, filmography in the past couple of years. So it is a great, it's a great solid list. And you know, shout out to BAFTA for that. But we, <laughs> I spent all that time on the BAFTAs for one award, and now we're doing Golden Golden Award. The whole list—I'm not going to do the whole list, but just just some things you know that that caught, that caught piqued my interest, same as same as um, when I did the um, nominations. So, um, so we're starting with here. This is by the Guardian, actually. I'm just—it uh, doesn't really matter where you go for it, but you know, the, at the end of the day, they all put the awards on the on the page. But you know, I just—I just. I just the Guardian for no reason. So, best actor of the TV series, musical comedy. This is actually quite interesting, because, you know, you have Donald Glover here, you have Bill Hader and Barry, apparently that was good. You have also have Jim Carrey and Kidding, and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in the series America, and actually Michael Douglas won on the Kaminsky method. I'm gonna be real with you. Never heard of the Kaminsky method. I know Michael Douglas is, but Kaminsky method? No, nah, no, nah, didn't hear of it. To be honest, and you know, I will say again, I haven't been as clued up on TV and film in recent years. I will be real with you, but you know, I enjoy, I enjoy trying to watch some things. You know, I saw Who's America. I saw Atlanta. Um, I know of Kidding, and I've heard. Positive stuff about Barry, so, you know, and the convincing method, right under the radar for me, right under the radar, do not know, but, hey, big up Michael Douglas. Best animated film, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, completely fine with that, Com- really completely fine with that, actually, I think that's the best out of the five, uh, to be fair, so, yeah, big up Spider-Man Into Spider-Verse, boss film, I need to, I need to see that, need to see that. Uh, Best Actor, Richard Madden in The Bodyguard, hey, that's a good shout, that's a good shout, that's a good, you know, out of the five, I'm I'm fine with that, that's a good pick, because he was actually very good in that, I really enjoyed watching Bodyguard, same as everybody else, live tweeting through that, very enjoyable, very enjoyable, so you go from that, and then you go from Best TV Series Drama, and it has like the similar set of shows, Um, and the Americans won it instead, interesting pick. Not gonna really battle that to be fair, because I haven't watched the Americans. I did like Bodyguard. Did really enjoy K- uh, Killing Eve. Uh, one of those two, I'd been fine with. But yeah, fine. Americans, sure, why not? Um, best supporting actor, yeah, not gonna go for that. Yeah, best actress, not gonna go for that. Um, best score, yeah, go on. then, best score. So we have, um, you know, Quiet Place, Isle of Dogs, Black Panther, First Man, Mary Poppins. Michael Beltrami, uh, Landry Desplat, Lodvin Gorison, Justin Hurwitz, and Mark Shaman. Justin Hurwitz for First Man won it. Mm, interesting. I mean, I get it because, you know, all, the, all the, every time there's a space film or, you know, every, every time there's a space film or a war film, you know the score is going to be in the nominations, you know, because those films warrant a great score, they always do, they they always need a great score to make it truly great, you know, why is 2001 A Space Odyssey so great, because the music's so great, especially the, nah, 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 you know, it's iconic, and obviously that's not a best example, but yeah, stuff like First Man, you know, a lot of war films, they always get it, so, you know, I'm fine with that, best song, Mm, you know, you know I'm going. For, you know I'm gonna ride for all the stars for the rest for the duration of award season. I'm going to be real with you, Grammys. You know, Oscars as well, and also Golden Globes. I'm riding for it. I'm riding for it. But a shallow one, shallow star is born. One this time, fine, sure, why not? But I'm I'm, I'm pulling for all the stars for at least one of the three. One of the three has to be hopefully the Oscar that I'll be guessed. I'll be guessed. Oh, just. Kendrick and Sussard just roll up in the Oscars. Whoa, that'd be so great. Best Supporting Actress. Big up Regina King. If Beale Street Could talk, amazing actress. Been in the game for years. Amazing. Uh, great speech as well. Saying dedicating us uh, to the, uh, giving herself a vow that she every all of her projects that she produces will be fifty percent women, uh, and cast and crew. Very great. Uh, very amazing speech. Really enjoyed that. Uh, best TV act. Best actress in TV series drama. Sandra Oh. Big up. Great, uh, amazing performance in and Eve*. Really enjoyed that uh, film. Uh, really enjoyed that TV show. <sighs> best supporting actor. Okay, right. This is where this is this is this is where this is where we get we we pump the brakes in the whole thing of talking about the Golden Globes, And I have to talk about *Green Book* again. So, so best supporting actor Mahershala Ali won it for *Green Book*, and I'm completely fine with that. Love Mahershala Ali. Love the sounding of the character of Don, the Doctor Don Shirley. Love it. Love the sound of it. Only saying the sound of it because I haven't seen Green Book. The, the just on the face of it, Green. Uh, you know, uh, Don Shirley just sounds amazing as a character. You know, as a character, and the fact that it's a biopic and he was a real person is all the more fascinating. You know where I'm going with this. So best screenplay out of Roma, the favorite Barry Jenkins. If Bill Scree could talk. Adam McKay in Vice, who won it? Nick Vallelonga, Brian Curry, and Peter Farrelly in Green Book. Are you pissing me off? Now, here's another, another layer to the problem of why I'm fucking sick of this uh, conceptual, lazy conception of Green Book. Lazy. So, you know, during the Golden Globe, you know, during that period of the show actually going on, you know, so, Vigo Mortensen, this is from IndieWire. Vigo Mortensen dismisses Shirley family claim that Green Book lies about the story. Hmm, okay. So, who should I be- who should you believe, ladies and gentlemen? Let's 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 form a poll in your own head. Just uh, go into your mind and form a poll. A uh, quick game of quiplash, you know. So, who are you going to believe here? Are you going to believe the actor that took the script and just saw the script and went, okay, I'll do that? Or are you taking the family, half of the family, you know, two families here, Valenonga and Shirley, admittedly, right? Are you taking one of the families of the estate uh, of of Dr. Don Shirley? Are you taking that, or, uh, you know, who say it's, it's bollocks, it's all bollocks, it is poor conception, whatever they're saying, uh, and or you, be- or you believe in the actor that acted as the white guy that was not part of the actual. That is not part of the estate that they're talking about. Hmm. Who to believe? Who to who to take? Who to take word from? Who to take someone's word as 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 gospel? Hmm. So let's get into it right quick. So uh, last month, family members Dr. Donald W. Shirley, paper Shirley in the movie, gave an extensive interview to Shadow and Act. I put it in my notes when I talked about Green Book a few months, uh, a, few, a month ago or a few weeks ago, and criticised the film for being a symphony of lies. Quote. When asked about these claims by Variety, at Palm Springs in the Film Festival Green Book, co-star Vigor Mortensen dismissed them. Writer Nick Vallononga has shown admirable restraint in the face of some accusations and some claims, including from, couple of fam- from a couple of family members that have been un- unjustified, uncorroborated, and basically unfair that have been countered by other people who knew Dr. Do- Dr. Shirley well, Mortensen said. There is evidence that there was not the connection that the family members claimed there was with him, and perhaps there was some re- resentment. Okay, right, interesting. So h- here's the f- here's the fun bit. So little as little snippet of uh, talking about uh, of of the Shirley fa- Shirley family estate, whatever you want to call it. Talking about uh, the actual film itself. So here we go. Uh, Doctor John- Doctor Shirley's brother Maurice said Valenlonge was never called a quote friend by Doctor Shirley in real life. Maurice's wife Patricia said the two men's relationship was purely an employer employee relationship, which Excuse me which Maurice added quote the only kind of relationship that Dr Shirley ever had with any of the people he worked with uh, ever had with any of, the, of of the any of the people that he he worked with you ask what kind of relationship he had with Tony he fired Tony Maurice said Quote, which is consistent with the many firings he did with all of his chauffeurs over the time. Tony would not open the door. He would not take any bags. He would take his chauffeur's cap off when Donald got out of the car and several several times Donald would find him with the cap off and confronted him. When you hear that Tony had been with him for 18 months, I can assure you no chauffeur lasted with my brother for 18 months. When variety asked Green Book director Peter Farrelly to weigh in on the backlash from Dr. Shirley's family, he responded, quote, I'm very disappointed by that. I wish they were, and they have a right to their opinion. But when we went down that road, we looked into the heirs of Don Shirley, and unfortunately, it wasn't the family. The heirs were friends. When we found out about the family, we tried to embrace them, and they're not having it right now. It's very disappointing. Do you know why they're not having it, Mr. Farrelly? Is because you wrote the script to be... To, to to be what's the word what's the what's the word I'm looking for um um catering there's a better word there but catering to more of the valelonga family even though the actual story here is about dr Don Shirley and his amazing life that he had but no you again I'm gonna say this constantly you literally literally put him in the back seats. You literally put him in the back seat you don't think they'd be pissed and you're clearly you know painting this as a you know buddy relationship ha <laughs> you're racist and now you're not so racist ha <laughs> by the end of the film. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. okay You've painted the film to be like this. Are you really expecting them to embrace that? Why they're not embracing it? Because it's bullshit. It is bullshit. How the hell Golden Globes gave them the screenplay, I have no idea. No idea. From a conceptual standpoint, which includes the script, from a conceptual standpoint, it's a lazy film. Lazy. You picked an absolute trope of this guy who's, ooh, I'm, 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 I don't like black people, but at the end of the film, I'm fine with this one black person. Bollocks! Bollocks! So while I'm talking here, uh, big up Sandra oh, Um, you know, major, yeah, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna just move on. <laughs> just gonna move on like that. Yeah, she actually made history three times at the Golden Globes. Uh, so the first one was that she was actually the first person of Asian descent to host the host Golden Globes. Uh, second one was she is the first woman of Asian descent to win multiple Golden Globes, and she was the first woman of Asian descent in thirty nine years since Yoshimada for *Shogun* in nineteen eighty uh, to win a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a TV drama. So you know, big up Sandra oh for that. Big up Sandra. Oh. So let's continue with the awards themselves. Now that I've gotten past that, I'll probably it'll probably come up again, but hey, let's get let's let's, let's continue. So, not a fan of that, yeah, best actor musical comedy, Christian Bale won that for Vice, uh, that's quite. That's kind of interesting list, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Mary Poppins, Mr. Mortensen for Green Book, Robert Redford, Old Man the Gun, and John C. Riley for Stan and Ollie, I really want to watch Stan and Ollie, it looks quite interesting to be fair, you know. Yeah, it just looks kind of interesting from a from a feel good factor. It looks very feel good I I enjoy those kind of films. Uh yeah, fascinating Christian Bale won that for Vice. It's like um and it's the only one win for Vice so far as I'm as I'm looking as I'm looking at this. And he actually uh, said uh, thanks to Satan for helping me prepare for this role, which that's <laughs> quite funny. Riled up the Republicans back uh, back in the old US of A. Um Best foreign language film, Roma, obviously. I mean, how could it not be, how was this not um, in the actual best fi- best film category, damn dog, you scared, I hate the, d- so the door's on the left of me, and when you see the door open, just, just basically scares the shit out of me, yeah, get out, go on, go on, leave, leave the room, uh, where we at, And yeah, not found that, best director, big up Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, um, would have been fine with you know the Spike Lee for Black Klansman or Adam McKay for Vice, why not? But yeah, Afonso Karon's probably the probably the logical option here. Yeah, uh, Kaminsky pull- Method. There you go. Won best TV series, musical comedy. It must be good then. It must be good then if it's if it won you know the uh, best actor and the uh, uh, best TV series. It must be that good. Um, when we going from here? Best actress. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Best film. Best film musical or comedy, LMA fucking O, Green Book. Wow. So again, we're talking about a uh, we're talking about a film that should not be that funny, but they've con- but they've made it feel good. Again, lazy conceptualization, uh, conceptualizing, lazy, and they actually won over the favorite, over Crazy Rich Asians, over Mary Poppins Returns, and Vice. I have never you you rarely see right you rarely see a, a a nominations list and you and you can clearly see which one is fifth and it actually wins it absolute fucking joke absolute joke this one so many this actually dominated the Golden Globes this film I do not understand it really don't understand it wow unbelievable and uh, you know. Best Actor Drama, Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody, and also Best Film Drama, Bohemian Rhapsody. Again, again, you know, well, not again, but I'm I'm kind of um, I'm kind of fascinated that why Golden Globes, while the you know, uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press actually voted for their voting methods this year, it's kind of um, it's kind of disappointing in my eyes, honestly. Like, um. As it pertains to TV, you know, they kind of messed up in terms of nominations in my eyes. Uh, There's a lot of shows that are missing here in terms of, you know, nominations in general. Films, yeah, yeah, they did okay in terms of nominations, but the wins, the wins are terrible here. I mean, uh, uh, Rami Malek, Was was he really that good... Can, can can someone, corrobor- Can someone like, tell me, because I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, in terms of biopics, okay, when we're talking about biopics, you know, we, they have a person to, you know, they have a real-life person to mould off of. Is Rami Malek, was he absolutely perfect for this? You know, not in terms of, like, for the role. I mean, was he perfect in terms of performance, okay? He looks like, he, he has to look right, he has to look down pat. I saw the trailers, he looks down pat, looks on point, and he looks like Freddie Mercury, sure. But, is he really best act, actor worthy in terms of this? You know, we have you know, Bradley Cooper here, we have William Dafoe here, Lucas Hedges, and also John David Wash from Black Klansman. Is he really that, are you putting him in the biopic Hall of Fame in terms of, you know, acting as a, as a real life person? You know, if 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 Rami Malek's winning this right for behemian Rhapsody*, Alv, you know a strong a strong contender to win it for uh, the Selma, because I figure that was a way better performance in terms of acting as a biopic, you know. But hey, that's just me. And also *Behemoth Rhapsody*. I mean, yeah, again, out of the five, I consider that fifth. My my opinion, you know, you know *Behemoth Rhapsody*, *Black Panther*, *Black Panther* streaker talk A Star is born I consider all four of those better than bohemian Rhapsody in my opinion but yeah i mean overall I'm kind of disappointed in the actual you know overall list it's a it's a bit it's whack it's it's whack and you know they they've given they've given green book steam and i i really hope the i really hope the you know academy for the Oscars doesn't you know follow suit because you know i'm i'm fine i'm fine with Ali winning everything cuz he is one of my favorite actors right now and i completely understand you know this is my this it, if 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 it's confusing of why i appreciate mahersh Ali in his role and but not the actual film itself i think you can you i think you can do that cuz you know in in terms of a biopic you can enjoy a certain character right especially in a biopic actually you have this character and he's amazing but the overall film is bollocks just from its conception, it's rubbish. It shouldn't have happened. You can't. You can't even call it Green Book. It's not even about the Green Book. I think uh, on the Shadow and Actor article I read it, on the review of it, I think they only mentioned the Green Book like th- one or three times, something like that. Like they don't even reference it. It's not even a plot point or anything. It's not a plot point. It's not a driver of the story. It's it's nothing. They considered it nothing. And they had the audacity to call it Green Book. There are so many things wrong with that film. So many things wrong. And Mahershala Ali is not one of them. Definitely not one of them. But <sighs> you know what? 24 minutes. I really thought I'd take longer than that. <laughs> I really thought I'd take longer. But good on me. I I, I kept it. I kept it uh, Simple. Um, since we're talking about Golden Globes um, I wanted to talk about This is an article from Vox uh, This is kind of interesting Seven winners and two losers From this year's weird Golden Globes So yeah, I find this uh, quite fascinating When I read it And I thought it would be good to read So winner Sandra O oh. You know, completely no-brainer. Sandrona isn't known as a comedian, but she makes a great comedic part in Franny Sandberg. That's not what we're talking about here. Don't really care about hosting. But in just being on the stage, she was making Golden Globes history. It was the first woman Asian just sent, as we talked about. She also won a glow for a performance on BBC America's Killing Eve, in which she plays the title character, a detective looking for a mysterious killer. It was her second Golden Globes win after the supporting actress in 2006 for Grey's Anatomy which made her the first woman of age to, to win multiple Golden Globes in the first in 39 years to win a Globe for Best Actress TV Drama, as we know. With this year's Golden Globes, which included half tribute to the first faces in the crowd, she was a true winner in more than one way. Another winner, just about, in brackets, every major TV awards player. Until the final two TV awards of the evening, no single programme had won more than a single Golden Globe, and very few networks had won more than a single Golden Globe. Indeed, the night's big TV winners were Netflix's Kaminsky Method and FX's Assassination of Gianni Versace: American Crime Story. Both programs won just two awards. See, that's why I enjoy it. I enjoy the parity of it. That's that's quite. That's why they did, I think, kind of well in terms of who won. I guess in TV, you know, in terms of just being not fair, but like in just um, in just being. I don't know. Just uh, not. That, I guess. I guess you can. See, you could. You could actually take this as a negative, saying like there weren't. A, there wasn't a standout show in 2018, and you know you could say that. You you could say that to be fair. Um, considering only two shows won two awards, usually people, some some shows actually clean up. You know, was, but uh, you could take that as negative. But I take that as a positive of how strong. You know, the TV TV industry in America, and and also and. Well, less so in the UK, but, you know, it's kind of strong. But, you know, it can always get better. Along the way, HBO, Showtime, BBC America and Amazon uh, all took home trophies, while Netflix and FX each tackled on another award for Bodyguard uh, and the Americans respectively. Um, understand that they showed Bodyguard on Netflix instead of um, BBC America. don't know why, but yeah, um, they showed it in America and obviously BBC here in the UK, just so you know. Just got confused. I'm um, sure there are major TV award players not represented there, like Hulu, <laughs> yeah, okay, and AMC. But Globes really, really, really tried to spread the wealth, and that's good. That's good. Perhaps that reflects a year in TV that has widely been just okay. It also might, it also might reflect Go- Globes' ongoing fascination with British people. As they, excuse me, and they handed out awards to very British scandals, Ben Whishaw and Bodyguards Richard Madden, and mega celebrities like uh, like the community master Michael Douglas. Really? Mega Celebrity? Mm, not that deep. It, it could just as likely reflect the way the Globes just uh, give out just a handful of TV awards, which means it's hard for any one show to win more than a couple. But it is likely it reflects how no one single program has steamrolled everything around it of late. There you go, that's what I just said. Winner, Netflix. Netflix wasn't in the movie studio or TV network with the most wins this year. It fell behind Universal, distributor of Green Book. 3 wins uh, to 2 on the film side and only tied fx on the tv side. But if you consider how Netflix won 5 awards total, it blows everybody else away. What's more, those awards included some major prizes including best director for prize for Roma, Alfonso Cuarón, and best tv comedy series Kaminsky Method. Netflix is a massive awards campaign to have blanketed Los Angeles for in your Consid- for your consideration billboards and ad after ad uh, that yet that has yet to help me- the streaming gi- streaming titan win an Emmy for best drama or comedy series or garner Oscar nomination for best picture, but the Golden Globes were at least hesitant about Netflix for a while too. Weirdly, they used to be way more interested in Amazon. That was very weird actually. And in the past couple of years, they've been high on Amazon but not on Netflix. It's a bit weird. Uh, shout out dear white people. Uh, now the results of the 2019 suggest awards suggest that Netflix have won over the Hollywood foreign press as surely as a million upon a million subscribers. Uh, Winner, film acting speeches. Uh, I'm going to skip over that, because you can easily look up the speeches if you want. I'm not going to... Say what the speeches were. Loser, A Star is Born. Between its huge success at the box office, 400 million worldwide, 2 million of it coming from the US and Canada alone, its Oscar beloved director and star three-time nominee Bradley Cooper, its critical acclaim, and its lineage as the fifth telling of an almost elemental Hollywood myth, A Star is Born initially felt like the movie to beat uh, on this year's awards circuit, except it hasn't been. Yes, A Star is Born has earned the nominations it needs at, pr- at various Precursor Awards to make comfortable, a comfortable number of Oscar nominations seem likely, but when it comes, to, comes time to actually win something, Star is Born keeps getting knocked around by other movies. Be they more r- forthrightly artsy ones like Roma, or more brazenly populous ones like Bohemian Rhapsody. There you go. Yeah, it did win one Golden Globe, but that was for Best Original Song. Hardly a harbinger of Oscar glory to come. Potentially the original song of the Oscar, but yeah, I get what they mean. What's rather wild about this this uh, this about this is that A Star Is Born shares its award season's struggles with the only other two movies that have joined it on every single major nomination list, Black Panther and Black Klansman. As award expert Eric Hansen points out there uh, here, these three movies had hit every major benchmark of the season so far, unlike other films, Green Book, Bam Rhapsody, etc., which have missed one or two one or even two benchmarks. But none of these uh, none of the three ostensible frontrunners have converted their success with nominations into major wins, which is rather unprecedented. The season's still young, I've still been on Star is Born and Winning Best Picture at the Oscars. Okay, that's your prerogative. Um, but the Golden Globes have given me considerable pause. The movie needs to take off at some point, and it hasn't yet. I do find that fascinating. You know, the considering the Star is Born has been remade so many times, and it's kind of a Hollywood staple at this rate, you know, done every couple of decades. But I kind of, fig- I kind of figured that it was... Um, I really generally thought that it was one of the... It was uh, similar to La La Land, where like you know, it's the Hollywood darling. You know, when you see La La Land, you know it's just Holly a uh, Hollywood circle jerk. You know, just the whole thing is a Hollywood circle jerk. Oh, Hollywood's so magical. Oh, look, look, Brian Gosling, Emma uh, Stone are uh, flying in the, uh, in the in the in astron- in the astronomy bit. You know, it, it's it's a it's a Hollywood circle jerk. That's all. That's all it is. That's for you. And you know, I consider A Star as Born in that category of a Hollywood circle jerk. You know, it's it's a as a, a Hollywood staple. Like I said. Uh, it's kind of fascinating that they haven't, you know, they haven't had as much success as um, as the others. So, in terms of that, you know, out of the three, you know, because, you know, granted, I haven't seen A Star is Born, but, you know, I consider Black Clansman and Black Panther way better, in my opinion, and, you know, why I'm, why it's my opinion. And, you know, and Roma as well, you know, as a, you know, RP, and if Bill Street could talk, what are we not talking about that for? You know, if those were the top, those are my top five, those, those would be my Best Picture nominees. For Oscars, those five Black, uh, Black Panther, Black Clansman, Star is Born, uh, Bill Street could talk, and Roma. I think those should be. Uh, sh- Black Panther, Did I count six? Black Panther, Black Clansman, Star is Born, Bill Street, Roma. That's five. Okay, yeah. I guess those are my top five. Uh, in terms of like, if I was voting for Best Picture, those would be my five. Who I'd pick, mm, you'd have to wait. If they actually get nominated. <laughs> so. Yeah, I find that, I find that kind of fascinating that it hasn't um gotten the the, the recognition uh, for, especially from the Hollywood foreign press. You know, has Hollywood in the name. Uh, winner Roma, we can guess why because it's good. Winner Green Book, not even going to bother. Literally, you know what? Right, I'm looking at I'm looking at them talking about this right, and there there's a whole paragraph stacked stacked with links here. Look, here we go. Putting a gloss on Shirley's life, uh, tired white savior tropes. Practically ignoring and sometimes leading, uh, leading the history of the green books for which it's titled, called Shirley's family and apologized after the, uh, earlier this year. See, those are those were the links alone, like the hyperlinks, and I didn't even read the whole paragraph. Just that, just just think about that, putting a gloss on Shirley's life, tired white savior tropes, practically ignoring the history of the green books for which it's titled. Mahershala Ali reportedly calling Shirley's family and apologising earlier this year. Are you pissing me off? This film should not have been made. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold that to my death. Well, well, if they, if they win, if they win anything in the Oscars, that isn't, that doesn't have Mahershala Ali name on it. I'm going to flip. I'm going to flip, and you guys will hear it on What's Good. Trust me on that trust me on that and uh finally before i continue the loop one more loser and this is quite fascinating the hollywood foreign press's reputation as an edgier organization than either the academy of motion picture arts and sciences or the academy of television arts and sciences uh sciences the hfpas H- you know who do the golden globes reputation is edgy quote-unquote there's always been a little bit bullshit, hugely bolstered by its willingness to let its major award show become a showcase for drunken revelry. Uh, there was so much bleeping during the year's yes, Golden Globes, so I don't mind that. Its winners tend to be rather staid and conventional, exactly what you expect from an organisation that even at its best often seems to exist solely to take a a ridiculously early stab at predicting the Oscars. If any bit of that reputation for edginess still existed, though, the 2019 Globes pretty much burned it to the ground. Yes, there were some good jokes, and yes, Bill Murray held up a massive golden goblet that had perhaps one filled with booze when presenting the comedy for movie category. But the two biggest movie winners, Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, were the very definition of very safe awards bait movies. Yeah, that's another thing, you know, awards-bait movies, you know, because, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really consider, you know, not all, you know, biopics are, you know, Oscar-bait, you know what I mean, or, or awards-bait, and I didn't really consider being actually that Oscar-bait, to be fair, but apparently it is, who knew, Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm honestly sick about talking about creep. <laughs> Every time it comes up, I just want to talk about it, but I just know you guys are going to be fucking rolling your yeah. eyes, stop talking about green but it's shit, I'm so pissed off, this is why I hate, this is why I'm hating not being in the industry right now, it's like, I want to just have a say, I, I just want to have, like, be in the room with some people, when people, like, you know, film studios, and just go, like, no, you can't do this, it's just, it's just morally wrong, you have, uh, fuck, see, see what I mean, I'm doing it again, so let's let's continue. Um So um yeah let's talk about let's talk about some sports. Let's let's, let's keep it chill. Let's let's chill out for a bit. So uh I wanna talk about a bit of basketball. Um uh, the the two things the two biggest problems with basketball for me at this point. Um one is kind of logical and one is kind of my opinion. Um the logical one is all star uh voting. I have I have for multiple years for as long as I've you know, when I used to write about the NBA for you know, when I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Um at that time I was just like just constantly Every yeah, you know, around this time of year, because obviously it's all star voting year uh, this uh, season at this point. You know where you know the the public vote for what is now half of the total vote, and then media does the U.S. media does twenty five percent, and the I think the coaches do twenty five percent. Um, I hate the it, it used to be hundred percent voting in terms of fans, and I hate it. I I really do. It's why I don't care about People's Choice Awards. It's, it's kind of, yes, yeah, most of the time I rarely care about a public vote for anything, uh, especially when it comes to creative stuff. I mean, you know, they just pick what they watch. Uh, well, you know, judges do that as well. You know, they, you, know you should pick one and watch. And I I have this opinion of, like... When it comes to when it well, when it comes to like film and television, especially like I hate the fact that I now know that even for judges for actual awards, so like the Screen Actors Guild, for example, you know I used to listen to a podcast uh, that I've stopped listening to recently, and they around this time, you know, the host said he has a Screen Actors Guild vote. And, you know, he talks, uh, and when he, last year especially, when he talked about films that he was voting for and, like, you know, the nominations, he ha- he hasn't seen half of them. And I feel like if you've seen, if you haven't seen any of them, you don't deserve to, you, you shouldn't vote for them. If I had the Oscar vote, I wouldn't vote for visual effects because I don't, well, one, I'm not really educated in that. Excuse me. I'm not really educated in that. And even if I was educated in that, if I didn't watch all the films, then I won't vote straight up. I think that's just a, I just think that's common sense. I think it's like, you know, common decency for the arts. And I feel like, you know, sports is a little less than that. But, you know, they they just fans for sports just take it for granted. Let's be real. Uh, it, for people that know NBA, Zaza Petulia nearly became an all star for Frick's sake! Like, come on, Zaza Pachulia. Okay, if you know basketball, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, and you know, even for this, and even for this year, um, you know, the first, the first round of votes came through, and you know, people have been reacting to it. You know, Luka Doncic, rookie. You know, he's great. To be fair, you know, and I put him as an all-star on the bench, probably, but not as a starter. Probably on the bench, you know. If I'm really, th- if I really thought about it, you know, be contending for the bench, and you know, Dwayne Wade, you know, he's retiring farewell year, and obviously the F- all the D Wade fans are out in full force, and he's and he's a starter at this point, and you know, I love Dwayne Wade. I love Dwayne Wade. Okay, I have ton- I have a couple of his jerseys. I'm a big fan. He's the reason why I supported the Miami Heat back in the day. You know, he's well, still do, and he's the reason why I. I He's the reason why I became a fan of Miami Heat. There you go. And, you know, he's one of my favourite players of all time. Yeah? He's not an All-Star this year. <laughs> he's not an All-Star this year. If if we're thinking logically, he's not an All-Star this year. Let's, 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 let's shut that down, okay? Stuff like that. And, you know, people just pick the person who... Derek Rose. Derek Rose is one this year. Like, he he's, he's high on the ballot this year. Like, come on. Come on, guys. Seriously. This is why I hate fan voting. I hate Van voting cuz people just pick for their favorite player whether they deserve it or not. Like even when Kobe Bryant for his last season got became a star for it. Sure it's a cool, you know, farewell present, but someone got snubbed for that. Someone got snubbed for that. You know, in the grand scheme of things all star don't mean shit, you know, it doesn't really doesn't really matter, but you know, some players like to have that recognition of like, you know, I am a whatever name, whatever time all star, twelve time all star, eight time all star. You know, it's a it's a nice thing to have on your resume, on on your a- athletic resume. So you know, to get snubbed for bullshit is just, I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed. Dwayne Wade, you, you're taking a piss, mate. He's got like he's he's averaging like what? How many points a game? Barely any. It's, it's, he's on the bench for the Heat. Come on. He's on the bench for the heat, and you're asking him to be a star- and you're you're inviting him to be a starter for the for the All Star game. Like I said, one of the biggest, you know, one of my favorite players of all time. Logically, common sense, not an All Star this year. I am sorry, guys. I am so sorry. Come on. I I yeah I I, I just don't I just don't enjoy this time of year in terms of All Star. It just it just annoys me. Like you know, people just take it for granted and. I feel. I feel like in this case, like you know, the media would do better, and the coaches would do better, especially the coaches. Should I think the coaches should get 100% of the vote? If I'm really, really being real because they're the ones who, you know, look at a film, and you know, they're the ones closest, if closest to the players, not players, you know. And then the media's the next one, and then and then the fans. If anything, give fans 25% of the vote, and then give. Coaches fifty percent, and then give me the twenty five percent. That's how it really should be. You fans are garbage. You just fight for your favorite player and all or troll votes, and it's just, it's just garbage. It's just garbage. Really stupid. And the second thing I wanted to talk about, um, James Harden. I am not a fan of James Harden. I. I I I appreciate James Harden. I respect James Harden from a from a you know an offensive perspective. He is one of the greatest offensive players in the past ten years. I will wholly admit that he is amazing to watch. You know when he when he gets buckets, he gets buckets. But in the similar vein of Neymar, he pisses me off every time I watch him. Pisses me off. When I was watching the World Cup this year uh, last year. Um, in Russia, and uh, I was, you know, I I made it a point of viewing to watch Brazil because I enjoy watching Brazil as a football team. I enjoy watching Brazil. I, you know, I had them down as potential winners. It was for me. It was either Belgium or Brazil. I said one, of the two Bs. That's what I kept saying. It was like who you got to win. I went one, of the two Bs. Belgium or Brazil. That's what I said. So you know, I had, I, want, I had some, you know, personal stake in uh, Brazil. No, not monetary anyway, but just some personal stake. I just I wanted I. You know, wanted to flex, saying, "Ah, I predicted it from the beginning." You know, like we all do. I wanted Brazil or Belgium to win. I thought they would win, but every time I watch Brazil, Neymar would do his constant bullshit, rolling on the friggin' floor. Oh my god! That is the one thing. I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not a constant watcher of football. I'm a, I'm lukewarm in terms of football. You know, I keep up just if you know what I keep saying in terms of like oh do you watch football I'm like I'm like I keep up I I I you know I look at the tweets I read some articles now and again you know I keep up just just enough so if my mates start talking about football I know what I'm talking about or I can know what they're talking about okay that's that's basically my that's my limit in terms of football okay I don't watch many games all right but you know when it came to the world cup I watched you know, a lot of games, I watched, I watched as many games as I could, as my mum let me, when she came home from work, and was like, oh, stop it with the football, what the hell, um, yeah, so when I, whenever I watched Brazil, I was like, this is so entertaining, they're, they're so entertaining to watch, and then Neymar just goes and dives, and oh my god, and then when you watch James Harden, it's the exact same thing, it's like, this guy is so amazing to watch, but can you stop gaming the fucking system, it's not even fun to watch. When he's doing this bollocks, and you just know it's bollocks, and you know, I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting the NBA to change rules like mid season like that, and I'm not expecting that. But bloody hell, it's so annoying. Just ref, refs need to stop. The ref need to stop. And uh, you know, it's maybe more about the refs than James Harden. But James Harden, just watching him frustrates me sometimes. It's like you are so entertaining. Why do you con- why do you continue with the bullshit? Neymar, you are so talented. Why do you dive on the floor like a f- like you've been sniped? <laughs> why do they both do this? It is so frustrating to watch. I hate I hate that. I really hate when someone's so damn talented, right? So damn talented and they just they, they just game the system for no reason. You don't need to do that. Like I, I get diving right in terms of football, right? I get diving. I'm currently wiping my um desk right now because I'm looking at the dust and dust in the light, and it's really annoying me. So yeah, part of me is I like, continue talking and the uh, wipe wipe down my area. Um, where was I? <laughs> oh yeah, now I remember now. So you know, I get diving. I I understand it. You know, just to just to you know flop on the floor, get a foul, get up. Fine, I get it, your gaming system, you know, like James Harden does, right? But do you have to roll on the floor and make me watch you roll on the floor and cry for two minutes? I am switching off. I'm switching. I switch off. I switch off. I do. I, w- I remember watching, Um, I think it was like a Friendly a few months ago, right? I think it was like in November, I was watching, Bra- I was, it was like a Brazil game, and then there was a Uruguay game on the next channel, okay? I think it was like ITV, I think. So, you know, I went to the Uruguay game, and I was watching that, right? And then I saw Brazil, I was like, oh, there you go, Brazil. No word of lie, no word of lie, right? I went on to Brazil, the Brazil game, I forgot who they were playing, and literally two seconds in, two seconds, as the picture came in, Neymar dives, and he's rolling on the floor, continuing his bullshit. I just turned back off. I just turned, I just turned it back off. I was like, "Oh my days!" Turn it back off. That's, what, that's exactly why I did. Click, and James Harden does the exact same thing. Not well, actually, not even the exact same thing. He's gaming the system, you know. I get it. He doesn't milk. He, he, well, in in, in sometimes he does milk it because he just he gets so many free throws. And I hate like when fans go, when fans go, Well you, Well, he well, gets free throws. What are you on about? He gets to the free throw line. You know, that's a skill. That's a skill. Shut up." Shut up. You know what we're talking about, right? Stop it. You do not. Nobody, nobody in the... Let me go back. Nobody in the world, okay? Nobody in the world enjoys watching someone take 30 free throws in a basketball game. Nobody enjoys it, okay? Nobody enjoys it. Nobody enjoys it. So let's continue. <laughs> um okay, yeah, I'm am going to leave some uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave something lighthearted for the for the final and uh, get into this. Um and I am not I'm not going to get into it too much to be honest because I'm not Re. I don't consider myself as educated as I could be on this subject. Um this is the music segment by the way. I I, I I don't know what to do as it pertains to this R. Kelly thing. All of it, all of it. Not even a thing, just all of R. Kelly. All of the, the stuff from the past, all of the, the documentary, the six-hour, six... Imagine having a documentary dedicated to your misconduct you know socially sexually relationship wise everything all the misconduct you've done in your in your in your um uh, in your limelight and in pop your in your popular life 6 hours 6 imagine that that is absurd that is really absurd um yeah so you know i haven't i haven't watched it cuz well, well, we do have lifetime in the UK, don't we? I think we do, but you know, I don't think they show it simulcast. I don't think they, I don't think they do, they they do that. But um, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it, but I've 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 seen the I've seen you know social media and I've read articles and reviews on the actual shows themselves, and you know people talking about it on podcasts here and there. And um, the only thing I take away from it, I I mean I enjoy, well I don't enjoy talking about the um. I find it fascinating talking about the artist, the art versus the art and the artist conversation. I really find that conversation fascinating because it varies sometimes. I that's why I think, I think it varies honestly. So as it pertains to a um a Michael Jackson, okay, he did some he did some freaky shit, okay, not even freaky, he did some fucked up shit, okay. Let's be real, king of pop. Not perfect, okay, and you can blame his background, you know, on the worst fathers, you know, t- terrible fatherhood, like um, you know, yeah, as a, as a, as a father, his father was terrible, okay, he had he had a bit, he must have had a messed up child, okay, in terms of just mo- emotionally and mentally, okay, you know, and I saw someone on Instagram the other uh, today where it was like um, R Kelly's brother talking like how his their their older sister raped him, what? I'm not gonna confirm. I'm not gonna consider that f- gospel or not as fact or fiction. But yeah, that was that was just, that was just something I saw on on, on Instagram. So you know, Rob R. Kelly, damaged. Just just straight up damaged. Okay, that's uh, that's just fact. He's damaged. Um, and, and yeah, I'm not just on that front. And uh, yeah, what else talking about? Versus the artist, Okay, so Michael Jackson. Right. You can listen to Michael. The reason why we separate. Michael Jackson and his, and, you know, and his, him and his music is because it's it's possible to do that because, you know, when you listen to, um, I don't know, want to be starting something, want to be starting something, that's not, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, molesting little children, allegedly, or did he, was he guilty for it, allegedly, I don't know, let's just say allegedly for the, for the tape, um, you know, so you know you can separate that. That's not him talking about anything. It's just him talking about. You want to start something. You want to be starting something. It's, it's a party anthem. It's a tune. It's a tune. So bang on, right? Um, don't stop to get enough. Just, just Motown. Just general Motown. You know. Um, you can separate that. You can't separate R. Kelly. And Robert Kelly. You you can't separate that. You can't separate that. You can't do it anymore. You, you well, actually, we shouldn't have. We should have cut this dude out. We, we should have exiled this dude from from Aaliyah. Boom, exiled. We should have exiled that dude from Aaliyah. And what was that? Ninety, ninety, ninety-eight, something like that. Nineties, definitely nineties. Should have exiled that dude right there and then. And he didn't even have his peak of his career until after that. Okay, after that. And he had some allegations during the Ignition days. Ignition and all that. Chocolate Factory, height, height of his career, and he was still having allegations. Then, still didn't exile him. Still didn't exile him. Um, y- you can't separate him from from his art. Um, the only problem is he has so much, y- y- um, so much reach in terms of his art that it's very hard to do that. Some of some of your favorite R B songs from back in the day. Probably written by R. Kelly. Go on Wikipedia, have a check. (laughs) I'm not kidding, have a check. It might have been written by Robert Kelly. Um, like I said, I don't really have much to say on the, you know, the whole scope of it. I can say something about, you know, could you separate his art? No. Straight up, no. Um... When you talk, when you when you you know when you're an R and B artist, you're talking about especially in that era, you're talking about loving women, you're talking about all that kind of stuff, talking about relationships, and what is all of this about? His relationships with women, sex, Just sex trafficking, uh, uh, what what's the what's the word? Um, like pets, like having women for pets, kind of thing, like. It's it's just it's just mad, it's it's crazy, and you know you can talk about the women as well as their own you know as their own validity of their points, um, and it's not and let's be real, it's not even just little girls either, it's actual grown women. It's 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 it's, cra- it's absolutely crazy. It's like it's so hard to encapsulate. This is this is like literally, this goes back to like. His early days, this goes back so long. This whole thing goes back nearly 30 years, right? It is such an anthology of just dirty, you know, uncorroborated hearsay. And that's why he ain't in prison, because it's all hearsay. And it's just so harrowing, really is. And, you know, I'm going to stop there, but the last thing I will say... The last thing I will say about all of this, right, is that in America, and, well, especially in America in this case, and I think, you know, to everywhere where there is black women, black women need to be heard. And I don't mean just, you know, listened to, but literally trusted, like, they, they are, they so many women came onto this documentary so many black women and whether they have said their story before or not is absolutely jarring to have to to have like such a condemn such a blind condemnation for black women and just such a such a blind distrust for them in terms of what they say and whether to There's is there's a lot that goes against black women, honestly, and putting it simply, it goes back to that, you know, Michael uh, Michael uh Malcolm X quote You know, the most disrespected person in the in the in the US is the black woman. The most you know, distreated, most disrespected, you know, the most just shit on person in the US is the black women. Like you know, this this is Malcolm X in gospel right now. Just talking about this R. Kelly stuff. That's the only that's that's the main thing I'll take away from all this is just the fact that we especially in America, they just don't listen to black women and it's very jarring. So let's get into the last uh, last um Let's get into the last topic: his life, and it's a, and it's very, and it's very, um, uh, and you know, I wanted to leave this for last because it's kind of upbeat for me personally. It's something I really enjoy in life. It's something that is a, a staple of my, TV diet uh, for years, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really love the just the, the history of it, the influence of it, how it even came about. How it even actually became a show that lasted six seasons. Desmond's at 30 years old. If you haven't heard of Desmond's, please look it up. Because it is one of my favourite shows of all time. It's about a barber shop in Peckham. And it's just just super black. It's just so great. It really is so great. It warms my heart every time I watch it it just reminds me of back in the day as a you and I don't and you know something about me I don't really have many memories of you know my as many memories of my grandmother and her friends and you know her family um her family friends and stuff like that as much as I'd like um but Desmond's is one of those things that like I can draw parallels at least um so this is by Ross Davies in the Guardian. Um, one morning in 1988, Trix Worrell, a young St. Lucia-born writer, was sat on top deck of the number 36 bus going from Peckham to central London. He had just won Channel 4's de- debut writing competition, had been invited to de- meet distinguished producer Humphrey Barclay, and propose a new black sitcom. But he had no idea what to pitch and had never written comedy before. As the bus stopped at the traffic lights on the Queen's Road, he was drawn to a scene below in a West Indian barbershop. It was called Fair Deal, recalls Worrell, and there were these barbers, their noses pressed against the front window, chirping the girls walking past, and I could see the customers in their chairs, half lathered and half shaved, waiting to get their hair cut, but thinking nothing of it whatsoever. That's when it came came to me. Worrell knew barbershops as hives of chat and gossip, conducted over endless games of dominoes, and where the chances of getting an actual haircut were sometimes slim. Quote, the Black Barber is a community and a drop-in, he says, and more crucially, a space where black people can just be black. By the time he reached Barclay's office, the Colonel had crystallised into what into what would become Channel 4's longest-running sitcom, Desmond's. Aired for the first time on 5th, 5th of January uh, the following year, but to hear Barclay tell it, the show almost never came to light. My heart sank at his pitch, he remembers. There had already been several series set-in salons, which tended to feature ladies with blue hair, so I wasn't excited at all. But he shook his head and said, have you ever been in a West Indian barbershop? Then he started to tell me more. The more he told, the more I liked it. Desmond's was not the first black TV sitcom uh, black sitcom on British TV. That would be The Fosters, which went from, ran from 1976 to 77, featuring Norman Beaton and Carmen Munro, who played Desmond and Shirley Ambrose, the protagonists and a young Lenny Henry. That show, however, was not an original creation, adapted from the US sitcom Good Times, so what marked Desmond's out? Quote, It was the first black business you really saw on television, says Worrell. It doesn't matter that the guy can't cut hair. More than that, the underlying principle was if you're a minority in a predominantly white society, you have to laugh. Comedy is what keeps you going. The show's popularity was cemented by a second episode of its second series, Hold Different Page. Which, in which the barbershop was held up by two violent, if hapless, teenagers armed with guns. It was uncharted waters for a British sitcom, and by the end of that series, 5 million people were tuning in. Quote, We, were, we knew we were doing something different, says Worrell. I have to take my hat off to Michael Gray, then Chief Executive of Channel 4, who supported us when it was a real risk. But it reflected the growing violence on the streets. Desmond showed the lives of the Ambrose family who all long to improve their lot. Desmond, played by the late Beaton, dreams of retiring into and returning to Guyana. His Shirley, his wife, enrolls in French evening class in the opening episode. Yuppie eldest son of Michael aims to run the local bank. Middle child Gloria wants to be a fashion writer, and youngest son Sean is on course to go to university. Like most great sitcoms, Desmond's Friars thrives on its running gags and side characters, the frequent jubilant cry, yum on of Desmond's best friend Porkpie, Matthew, the the perennial student from the Gambia, with a penchant for old African sayings such as the respectful goat doesn't fart in front of the chief (laughs) and gossiping uh, hypochondriac Beverly. Filmed in front of a raucous live audience, those guys walked the Ritter scale, says Worrell. Uh, Desmond's, at his best, was an excellent... Uh, exultant, sorry, uh, celebration of family and friendship in the face of a vertice. Averticy. In the show's most poignant episode, Georgetown Dreaming, Desmond ponders what life might have been if he had never come to this godforsaken country. Might he already be retired, having achieved glory through the Georgetown Dreamers, his one time band? Would his children have escaped racism and discrimination? Or, as Shirley, always the voice of reason, points out, we could have done a lot worse. Cue an alternate history of squalor in the Caribbean, with Desmond a milk toast, uh, and Shirley uh, Shirley, a drunk, and Michael a violent hoodlum. At its core, Desmond's was a family show. Says Ram Jam Holder, Ram John Holder, sorry, Ram Jam, uh, who played who played pork pie. It's warm, transcending racial fault lines. It doesn't it didn't matter if you were black or brown or white. He says it was the story of every family. I didn't write Desmond's for black people, says Worrell. I wrote it for white people so they could see how black people really are. At the time, the negatives press about muggings and shootings was all, to get, uh, all we seemed to get. I was fed up with it. Desmond's ran for 71 episodes, ending in 1994 due to Beaton's health. Danny Boyle featured a clip in the Best of British TV segment of his 2012 Olympics opening ceremony. And the series is now available to watch on all four but its legacy is also local, and community drama drama group Theatre Peckham will perform the first ever episode on the 5th of January to coincide with the anniversary. Quote, It's an important part of cultural history of this country, says Holder, an artistic achievement. When I started out, they made braver choices in television, says Worrell. While there there might be all these workshops today to increase the presence of minorities on screen, It's just about boxes being ticked. In reality, I don't think we've moved on. Unless your name's Toby or Ben, it's really difficult for black writers to get commissioned. As much as it's nice to see Desmond's on all four, there's nothing brave about recommissioning it. How about something different? So what would the Ambroses be doing today? Without a beat, Worrell replies, Desmond and Shirley are stuck in Guyana, unable to return because of the whole Windrush nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that is that is a great way to end it (laughs) so on that note we're gonna end what's good right there on a a nice happy note i'm feeling i'm feeling emotional i feel like watching desmond's honestly i felt so seriously you have you guys i can't really encapsulate how much i enjoy that show and how much it has to how much of a place it holds in my heart honestly it's such a it's such a it, I, I, I I I love the show. I I really do. Just everything about it is just amazing. There is no show like it, and I don't think there will be a show like it again. Unless it comes from my head, being cocky as I am. But yeah, that's um that's 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 uh, that's, that's, that's what's good for you. It's it's been one of my favourite episodes. Actually, I've really enjoyed doing this one. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Back next week, hopefully. Uh, remember, got the email, Twitter, IG, Facebook, all in the description. All the links to, um, you know, the Golden Globes and the uh, the Baftas and the and also the piece on Desmond's. That will all be on the article fifthelement.org.uk. If you want to uh, read the article on that, all the links will be there. If you want to read them yourself, and also the embedded link to the show itself. Uh, well, you'd obviously listen to that as you're reading this, but yes. If you want all the links, it'll be on the article. 5 Uk. Uh, this has been What's Good, Charlie Taylor. 5th Element Podcast Network. I'll see you guys next week. Hope you enjoy the show. Hope you enjoy your week. Take it easy.